Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Newspeak, the New Culture Forum's weekly current affairs programme. This week I'm joined by Senior Fellow Philip Kisseli, Peter Whittle, the Director and Founder of the New Culture Forum, and journalist Poppy Coburn. So, Philip, would you like to kick us off by telling us a bit about what happened this week to Captain Tom? Yes, it wasn't very nice, was it? We, uh, it, the, it was a, a, a story that broke on Sunday, Sunday morning. So this was a, a, a story that uh, you read with your breakfast and I was eating toast and orange juice. And this was a, this was this a story- This obviously burnt into your memory. <laughs> it, well, this is a story uh, of a 21 year old activist, eco-activist called Maddie, I've forgotten her surname now, uh, from Manchester. Uh, she's a, an ex-student, she was a medical student. Uh, and according to her father, she's she's gone rogue and she's just completely and utterly obsessed with um, eco, she's an, she's an eco warrior basically. Um, and she's, she, she did this dem uh, demonstration of uh, pouring essentially a whole a bucket full of shit over a, over a, a statue of, of Captain Tom. Um, and it was supposed to be a metaphor. She, she's, uh, she's against private jets and, and private jets belching pollution into the- Very convoluted metaphor. Into the, uh, into the, in, into the environment and, and, and that's the metaphor. What do you think of this, Poppy? I know obviously you, you were saying that you've got a, a background in um, environmentalism. Yes, yeah, so um, my background in environmentalism didn't involve so much human feces. Uh, <laughs> I will say that. It, it wasn't quite as radical. I mean, I, I wasn't really surprised when I saw this story come out. And the reason why is um, I was doing a lot of my activism in 2018, 2019, and this was really when Extinction Rebellion was starting to like gain public attention. And I said, remember saying then to some of the people I was working with, I think we're going to start to see more radical splinter groups coming out of this. And I looked into this group that this lady was a part of. It's only really two members. So it's this young woman and this man. And uh, he'd been involved before in environmental activism. He tied himself at a, some football match to the goalpost. So these are clearly people who are very ideologically, you know, um, convinced about like the moral righteousness of their mission. Um, now it's a fringe group. Obviously, most environmentalists aren't like this, but I think as you know, the rhetoric becomes more and more hysterical about the climate crisis. You're going to start to see more groups like End Private Jets UK. I mean, even Roger Hallam, who was the old founder of Extinction Rebellion, he left because it wasn't radical enough for him. He wanted to be disrupting Heathrow. He was doing stuff with Insulate Britain, which we all remember was you know disrupting ordinary people's lives. So I think in the next couple of years or so, unfortunately, you're going to see more of this I think, stuff. I think just 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 to uh, build on that point, actually, uh, these splinter groups are getting more radical. You can see mm. it in the language. So yes. they're calling it a climate genocide mm -hmm. now. And so that's that word, new, isn't it? That's, that's new. So that word genocide is really important because if you're up against a genocide, that gives yeah. you license to do anything. It also locks in with what they're now talking about, things like climate justice. Yes. And it, it's become part of the anti-racism movement and actually um, policy exchange and a few people who used to work in extreme extremism called this quite early and said actually mm. that this environmentalism is te teetering on the brink of becoming 
a, a, a new kind of far left extremism. Mm. And actually in, in Cambridge, I mean, when they, if you remember, they dug up the lawns of um, Trinity College yes. mm. and piled them up outside of a, of a bank. And, and the disruption that they started doing with drones and things, they showed yeah. a clear willingness mm. to break the law and put people's lives at risk. Yeah. Because like you say, they think anything justifies I their mean, actions. I mean, the language is one thing, but, but the other really telling thing was when you looked at the image, I, did, did you see the image yes. of, of her, of, yeah. the, of the girl? I mean, she is a dead-eyed fanatic. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you just look at the face, and and it's and it's blank. And she's, you know, she is she's gone. You know, her yeah. father, uh, who's devastated by the whole thing, said she's gone rogue. And you can actually, you can absolutely see that. It makes you really wonder. You know, how many young people are absolutely captured by this? Do you think oh. this is indoctrination, Peter? Well, I think uh, to an extent. I mean, I think we were discussing this before, actually, mm. uh, before we came on. Um, that there is this sense in which. They, they have been gripped now by this catastrophism mm. to do with the environment. They're either the world is going to end, so almost anything, therefore, is legitimate. Mm. I mean, any kind of means are legitimate. Um, and, um, but also, I think that there is a, a sense of, um, frankly, you know, when you say dead-eyed fanatic, mm. to me it's unhinged mm. to the point you sort of think maybe there's mental illness there. Yeah. I mean, you know, this girl had massive eyebrows. I don't know what that was. <laughs> <was doing>. There <laughs> was a great Joe Marks element to it. But eyebrow shaming but, people but, now. But you did say actually, didn't you? I think on Sunday that this is—it's—it's it's not so much a political thing. It's not even environmental thing. It's a mental illness thing. Mm -hmm. Well, it sort of is. Yeah. I think a mental illness, kind of stunted adolescent mm. rebellion against mm. authority. But, you know. But Poppy, don't, don't you think that you know we've always had young radicals that's something that has been a pretty much a constant mm. throughout all eras mm. of history but do you think that this is some kind of different phenomenon that we're seeing now well, from your experience being sort of in the middle of it we know it's not unprecedented and the reason we know this isn't unprecedented is uh, prior to 9-11 and the explosion of uh, you know government interest in radical Islamism and um, environmentalism was considered to be the main terrorist threat. So this was something that the FBI actually uh, mentioned. It was a 1999 report that came out. The fear was environmental extremists. So it's kind of fallen off the agenda in the past two decades. And I think um, as we start to see, you know, we've got a lot of channels now to do with like radical Islam. We've got the Prevent programme, but I think they are really missing out on the massive threat that mm. is coming mm. from these young people who feel that they've got no hope, who have been indoctrinated by this rhetoric which is telling them the planet is ending, they must be doing more radical action. I mean, if you think the world's going to end in 10 years, you're not just going to be blocking roads, mm -hmm. you know. You you're going to go into more crazy mm. stuff. Do you mean actual sort of terrorism? I, I really, mm. I mean, mm. I would very much hope not, but I can 100% see in the next couple of years that we could have a violent terrorist attack, not just property damage. Mm. And I think it's something the government really needs to focus I on. Agree with you. And actually, you do see as well with all these different splinter groups, they mm. are becoming more and more radical because as yes. one group splinters off through being more radical than the last and yeah. then another and then another, it's mm. easy to see how actually, if you just look over the last short period of time there's been this really rapid escalation of what they're willing to do i mean mm. even things like putting people's lives at risk on the motorways by blocking roads and mm. things like that mm. they think that it's more important for them to insulate homes than it is for people to be able to get through and ambulances mm. to get to hospital and people have actually really suffered as a result of that but do you do you think that this is i mean obviously there's the you know the aspect of how this is sort of baked into our education system now but also just the the 
you know, the fact that within popular culture, I've just been watching those new Frozen Planet um, documentaries yeah. where David Attenborough, and every couple of minutes he mm. mentions climate change, he just will not let up. And you think if you were a child watching this and watching the polar bears and the seals and all these cute animals and you're being told that your species is basically, a, a, not that he does say this, but the implication of the, the, you know, the environmentalists, the more radical ones, is that human beings are basically a plague on the world and we're killing all of these cute animals. And if we don't, if we don't stop, then it, you know, the threat is absolutely imminent. You know, do you think that... That's I, th I think that's part of it, but I also think there's, there's something about having a purpose and and having something to believe in and and something that that that's higher. And I think a lot of these young people are lost. And, a replacement for religion. And, and, it's, and it's 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 a replacement for religion. It's it's a replacement for old party politics as well. I think mm -hmm. uh, because it's a different kind of politicking, isn't it? Um, well, it's anti democratic. It's anti democratic. Um, but it but it's it it plays into the identity stuff as well. And I think mm -hmm. we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But there's there's something there about about needing it. It's not because. The, the the crisis is tangible and real. It's because they actually mm -hmm. need a crisis, mm -hmm. and I think I think that's a really key thing. What do you think, Peter, about yeah. the the royal family have obviously been pitching in on a lot of this stuff? May, whether or not they realise how divisive it is, I don't know. Not just Prince Charles, actually, but now Prince William. And there was a piece in today's, I think it was in today's Telegraph, about um, Prince William calling for urgent action on. Um, wildlife and so on. Well they've been doing this, it's, it's the odd thing with the royal family, um, it's if you if you think of Charles he's been saying we've got what is it 100 days to save mm. the world since about 2003. <laughs> uh, we're still kind of waiting. <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do think it is It's the climate version of the NHS yeah. isn't it? <laughs> 24 hours. But I do think it's... It's a classic apocalypticist sort of... It is sort of sincere, there is a very strong uh, environmentalist streak that comes from the conservative perspective actually mm -hmm. yeah very strong mm -hmm. I mean you know a lot of the people that you I'm sure would go on these demos uh, Extinction Rebellion are from the countryside and from those sort of mm -hmm. just look at the age demographics I mean yes. most people in Extinction Rebellion they're not like radical teenagers with piercings they're like middle-aged mm -hmm. people yes. I remember being really embarrassed when I was going along yeah. to the rallies I was there with like my my grandma and stuff like yeah. that um, <laughs> you know spoken like a true young person hang on Peter it's only me and you Peter come on. Yeah. I think, I think domino the, effect of a <laughs> I think uh, I think that, uh, that yes, the royal family, it, to an extent, um, the wildlife thing was always a big deal with mm. the royal family, and I would go along with that. You know, I don't want uh, you know uh, species to be shot and mm. things like that, and, and I think we should care for that, just like with pollution. Um, I think that maybe um, the way in which the monarchy has allied itself to this is that it's seen as being. Um, how should we put it, wide enough as an mm -hmm. issue not mm -hmm. to be controversial, mm -hmm. whilst at the same time still being on board and therefore, you know, they're thinking mm -hmm. of the future, they're thinking of the way things are going the w and, and, you know, they, they want to survive. So I think there might be that, might be that. I think the difference is that what they don't have, what that kind of tradition doesn't have, is this people hatred mm -hmm. you mentioned. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that there's a real hatred. I mean, it, you, you, you come across it for example, in the calls 
that they make to uh, not have children, mm. yeah. right? Overpopulation. What I find interesting is in the green movement more generally, that was a thing um, which they applied to the whole world at mm. one point. Then it became rather embarrassing because what it meant, I think it was Tony <laughs> Benn, it was Tony Benn who pointed this out. He said that what you're talking about is fewer brown babies, mm. are you, right? So now it's solely basically aimed at the European And this is part world. of the whole climate justice thing yes, as well. Yes, exactly. How you can you possibly have children, you know, when we are, you know, doing these wicked things and everything? They don't. Look, that argument's won. Europe, mm. Europe's not reproducing. Mm. It hasn't been mm. for ages. Mm. You know, but it's how, it, it, it's how it, it, it segues very, very neatly into the identity politics thing. Absolutely. Isn't it? You know, it's, it's yeah. the whiteness thing. It's that we... Well, it's Black not Lives Matter actually <coughs> had it on their agenda. Yeah. Where mm -hmm. Basically, climate mm. change was a racist thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know? Actually, yeah. didn't wasn't... I can't remember. Was it uh, Kamala Harris, yeah. I mm. think it was, basically suggested that um, she in response to this hurricane that hit uh, the coast in the US, she said that um, they were going to allocate their the, the funds uh, available according, according, to, according to race. race yeah. mm -hmm. But the implication, of course, was basically that hurricanes in some way in the weather mm. is systemically mm. racist because mm. she was trying to, um, to, to financially account for mm. the fact that that the, the ethnic minority communities would be worse hit, yeah. even though that has no bearing the on the UN facts. The UN argues that as well. I mean, it's, it's obviously nuts from Kamala Harris, but the UN is arguing that um, the floods in Pakistan are part of like a broader racist, you know, the, the, I mean, the idea that because yeah. Pakistan is located in an area of the world where there's a lot of flooding, that it's somehow racist, that they're not immediately given like... It's, 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 it's down to the British Empire, you know, yes, and, 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 the, and the excuse all the time, and it is an excuse, and this goes right across everything, is this word equity. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what, that's the Kamala so, Harris thing. But it's, it's you know, so divorced from the facts as well, because the, the base sort of like underlying premise of it is that we in the West started the Industrial Revolution. Mm. We mm. are responsible oh, well, for, Greta, for climate Saint change. Greta said that, mm. didn't she? <laughs> we're responsible for all of this, mm. you know, change in mm. the weather systems and so, so on. So it's all down to us, yeah. But actually the reality is, if you actually look at the facts, that it's, it's countries like China that are pumping out mm. the most um, greenhouse gases. And so, but it goes back to everything that we've been discussing now for, two years but, the, but the, the thing the is sort as of well, like a factual yeah, quality to a lot of these arguments lest lest we forget in the 70s if you remember and peter hitchens wrote about this not long ago actually in the 70s remember the world was going colder wasn't yeah. it so it was it was it was it was it was cooling and everybody was terrified that we're all going to be freezing cold that's only 40 years ago you know can we quickly before we move on to a different subject um, just go back to what you said at the very very beginning Philip about the symbolism about my breakfast about your breakfast uh, yeah. and the symbolism of, of what this woman did because I think there's an, another interesting aspect to this and we've spoken a lot about statues and vandalism mm. but the fact that in in the symbolism she chose to go for this it's not really a statue of Captain Tom yes, is it? Like it was a, a kind of cutout mm. yes, yes I, 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 it absolutely goes with the territory. Mm. Uh, you know, the old saying, the old nickname for environmentalists used to be uh, of the of the crankier kind, used to be watermelons. I read on the inside, yeah, yeah, green yeah. on the outside. There's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's James Dellingpole's. Yes, exactly. Far, 
far more uh, They chose radical. a patriotic hero as the of target. Course. No, it, the whole thing, you, you've just mentioned it there, actually. The whole thing used to be anti-capitalist, anti-American. Mm. It got mm. harder to sustain that mm. because, as you said, China and India are the biggest uh, emitters of... And uh, so they, you know, basically, it's got that sort of anti-traditional. Um, it even comes into the vegan movement. Mm. You know, all of these things. It's basically about reject everything organically traditional. Yeah, and mm -hmm. everything. And it also links into the Corbynista anti-Semitism as well, because there's there's an element of that. And that historically, there's always been an element of anti-Semitism in in Extinction Rebellion. But it, what in the environment? Yeah, yeah, really? yeah. Well, it's the it's the uh, anti-Semitic tropes of bankers and oh, people right. who own the mm -hmm. media and all of that kind of thing. Capital. You know, um, so yeah. So I, th I think I think the symbolism is is replete. You know, and all you have to do is. Re but it's always, it always it always makes me laugh. It's you know how ridiculously moronic is the you know how long did it take to think of you know that, oh what, what can I do here how how can it be so complex I know I'll get a load of shit and pour it over a statue it's great it's uh, blood as yeah. well. Where did the blood come from? That's not very vegan. It's horrible. Anyway. Um, yeah. So let's move on to um, the well. We already we already mentioned indo the indoctrination of people into the environmentalist movement in schools, um, but I know Calvin Robinson has just had a documentary um, filmed for the New Culture Forum. That's right, Emma. Yes, actually, this is by way of a preview, you know, um, exclusive preview. Um, yes, Calvin Robinson, uh, who used to be a teacher, remember, has done a heresies documentary. Philip has also done one in the past. Um, which these are our documentaries as you know you've done one um, I'm sure you will do one probably and you've um, done one as well Peter. Yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, basically it is going out on this Sunday at 9 30 and it is about what is happening in our schools uh, essentially you know the idea that parents which is behind this is that parents don't really quite appreciate the level of indoctrination that's happening mm. usually around critical race theory and also about uh, gender mm. ideology um, but also uh, the general political bias that's increasing mm. in classrooms um, he's very good uh, Calvin in, in, in the fact is it's this is something which I'm convinced is going to become a very big topic mm. uh, we actually have a clip Emma, which we can look at and talk about it afterwards if you'd like to play it in you have a clip Education did not used to be a battleground. Schools used to be a place that parents sent their children to to learn the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. However, these days we have a lot of activist teachers who want to be social justice warriors in the classroom and impart their own values onto your children. And in this program, we're going to be looking at three main areas. Race, this idea that black children and white children should be separated and white children should be taught about their privilege and their unconscious bias and black children should be taught that they are oppressed, they're victims and we as a society are holding them back. Secondly, gender. The idea that your sex is something that is assigned to you at birth and that you are, later choose your gender as you grow up. And thirdly, general lefty bias. We know that 70% of teachers are left-leaning but they are teaching resources that demonstrate that to be on the left of politics means that you care about people, you're compassionate, and you, you support the NHS. But on the right of politics, 
you care about yourself and big business. This is unacceptable, it's not what schools are for, and we're going to delve into it. One of the biggest areas of contention today is what is known as critical race theory. What we are against is the teaching of contested political ideas as if they are accepted facts. We don't do this with communism, we don't do this with socialism, we don't do it with capitalism. And I want to speak about a dangerous trend in race relations that has come far too close to home to my life, and it is the promotion of critical race theory, an ideology that sees my blackness as victimhood and their whiteness as oppression. Critical race theory might sound like a good idea in practice. Uh, most of the advocates of critical race theory are well-intentioned. However, it comes from a dark place. It's set up, like all critical theories, to undermine the very fabric of Western society. And how that presents itself in education is that we are separating or segregating young people based on their skin colour. We're even separating and segregating the curriculum based on skin colour. In history lessons, we're teaching kids about black history, as if up until now we've only been teaching white history. Of course, we live in a predominantly white country, so most of our history will involve white figures. But that's not an issue of race. That's not racist. In this country, we teach British history, European history, and world history. We teach about the factual events that have helped shape the nation that we live in today. We do not teach about immutable characteristics in history. And the same in the music curriculum. There is an idea that we should decolonize it and remove dead white men. And that means replacing people like Mozart, who have helped shape music in composition, in the way that we understand music, in the way that we compose music, and replace people like Mozart with more fashionable figures like Stormzy, because he happens to be a black artist. Stormzy's most popular hit is Shut Up, Shut Up, Rude Boy, Shut Up. I wouldn't say it's of the same caliber as Mozart's, but this is the fundamental problem with critical race theory. It's not about meritocracy. It's not about the canon. It's not about teaching the best there has been or what has helped shape this nation. It's about what looks good, it's about virtue signalling, and it's about more brown faces for the sake of it, and less dead white men for the sake of it. It's actually quite racist. Well, I think it's a very interesting question, what, what are children actually being taught when it comes to critical race theory? Because I think it, it's not the case that teachers, I mean, it's clearly not the case that teachers are sitting down with children as young as three, four and five, and teaching them complex legal theories on race and racism. No teacher is standing there saying to a group of seven-year-olds, right children, it's 11 o'clock, it's time for our critical race theory lessons. And I think because of that, it's very um, convenient, if you like, for activists to be able to deny that this is actually happening. They can say no, critical race theory is not being taught in schools, precisely because teachers are not sitting down and saying, take out your critical race theory books, boys and girls. Um, but what is being taught are ideas that are inspired by critical race theory or derive from critical race theory. And put very bluntly, um, these are ideas of a white superiority, white privilege and black disadvantage. One of the, um, one of the clips played in Calvin's documentary is of uh, this famous 
now speech that Kemi Badnot mm -hmm. gave in Parliament where she talks about contested ideologies being contested ideas being taught in schools mm. and that we wouldn't do that with commun communism we wouldn't do that with other ideologies and yet when it comes to things like race mm. we, we see the teachers not only quite happy to teach these contested ideas mm. but actually that they no, don't even necessarily recognize that they are no they don't no, mm. no. I mean uh, they, they, that come, becomes quite clear that this is now considered to be the nice thing to do this mm. is this is the orthodoxy. Mm. Um, in the program, uh, Calvin also goes into the very resources mm. that he used. Mm. Textbooks are no longer used very mm. much. A lot of it's drawn down from the internet mm. and um, basically also various third party uh, groups who are involved. This is a big thing, you know, the I, people yeah. who come in to advise mm. and to do these courses. And um, I think it is quite horrifying what the answer is. I don't know what you think. I mean, when I look at this, I sort of think, homeschooling mm. is, is yeah. what I think. Mm. Well, but I think you were probably most recently in school oh. out of all of us. I mean, you, was it Were things quite ideological while you were at university and at, at college? I mean, university is something different. Universities have always been ideologically charged. But mm. what I do remember at school is during my GCSEs, they brought in my, so I did a history GCSE, and they brought in a new module and it was the history of migration. Now, I don't know how much you know, people are familiar with the history. There's not really been much, you know, it would be a very short course if it was accurate because we've only really had mass migration the last 30 or so mm. years with a brief mm. Commonwealth blip in the 50s. Um, and that was a very clear example of something that has clearly been pushed by these activist groups. And the reason these activist groups are getting into the curriculum is because there is a vacuum on the right we are too afraid to essentially stand up for our heritage you know people think oh that's a that's a bit too extreme you know that's a you know we just trust in schools we're trusting the government they'll get everything sorted for us that's not enough we have to be far more muscular you know if they have activist groups pushing for critical race theory we need our own activist groups pushing back against that and saying actually no this is wrong let's teach the facts about empire let's teach the facts about the immigration story you know you can't just complain that the left is doing these things. You need to step up and say, no, you can't do that anymore. We've got our own ideas. You know, we're going to argue the case for it too. Because I think things are too politicised now to stay neutral. Yeah. Philip, do you, do you think that the solution is homeschooling, as Peter said, or do you think that, as Poppy said, we should be fighting to try and get schools to change? Because in the meantime, kids are sitting in classes and they're not re in the in the grand scheme of things kids are not in school for that long I, and so by the time if you're a parent by the time you change things mm. your child will have already moved on and the damage will be done I, th I think it's a sometime combination of those two things and the only thing about homeschooling that, that puts me off a little bit is that uh, people with um, who are not so well off and working class people will struggle with homeschooling just because mm. they won't have the time and the resources but I just wanted to come back to what Kemi was saying and I completely agree with almost everything she says apart from the communism thing that is presented mm. as though it's the only thing and that and that's reality or more that at least when I was at school nothing really was presented on communism at all it's just a whole blind spot where no one's even heard of Mao well I, I suppose what I'm saying is all of the ideology rests on marxism and cultural materialism it's there whether it's whether it's spoken about or not because if you if you talk about university lecturers mm. they're, they're going to be kind of 85 95 percent mm -hmm. coming from a, a radical left marxist perspective and it just it's 
all of the stuff that we're talking about from climate activism to transgenderism to, to critical race theory, all of it sits on cultural materialism, mm -hmm. all of it sits on, on Marxism. And, and so that's the thing, you know, you were yes. saying we've got to depoliticize or possibly repoliticize yep. in a different way. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, it's, and it's undoing that, it's getting, it's chipping away at that basis. And that's mm -hmm. the really difficult and thing exposing, to do. And exposing to teachers and those involved in education, the fact that these are ideologies, mm. that these are contested. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of, if you're, you know, if you're in any social circle, if you're surrounded by people who agree with you, you mm. become basically adjacent to those views. And I think a lot of people in education could probably be described as being woke adjacent. Absolutely. Because they've, it's, it's ba it, like you were saying, it's incorporated into the resources, it's in the air, in the environment of the institution. And, it, and it's so complex as well, because I'm talking about Marxism and, and you'll say, oh, well, they're, they're, they're probably not you know, pure Marxists. Fair enough, but my God, they're postmodernists. Mm. You know what I mean? And postmodernism sits on top of that. Mm. So it's just, it's so incredible incredibly difficult to, to to pull it apart and when you've got the key point that, that Peter's just made that third parties coming in and I'm thinking about Stonewall mm -hmm. you know that again takes it into a whole new environment that we that we haven't really known before and also people people just don't know this I mean I mean when I say homeschooling <clears throat> I, I mean it almost theoretically mm. I, of course I understand. We only had to see the pandemic mm. to see that actually it's always going to be better for middle-class families who have a lot of books around, mm. maybe bigger houses and, and all of mm. that. Uh, it's going to be much harder for working-class people to do that. It's just that somehow it's a bit of a council of despair really because mm. we ask how is this going to be changed? Well, I'm at a slight loss actually to know because it seems to me that you're going to have to change the whole educational establishment. We're going to have to have, in some ways, a cultural version of the miners' strike, mm. except mm. for with the teaching union. Without, <laughs> without having spoilers um, for Calvin's yeah. documentary, and I would urge everybody to go and watch it when it comes out on yeah. Sunday, um, does Calvin put forward a sort of positive vision, a oh, way yes. out of the situation. Yes, he does. He, he comes up with some things which, again, you know, which uh, I don't want to say steal his thunder, uh, but he's constructive because I hope that's something about new mm. culture form generally. We are being constructive. I mean, we've got a new book coming out. You're in it. You're in it. Mm. Um, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm writing about education in it, but yes, I'm writing exactly. about higher education and yeah. I offer some but ideas it, about how we can go forward. Yes, exactly. It's all about how we fight back. Fighting, it's all about fighting back now. Mm. You know? um, and I think that that is crucial. So, of course, we're not just going to wring our hands when we do these programs. Mm -hmm. um, it's very comforting just to wring your hands, actually. Mm. You can get, you know, you, you, get, you can Lots make a career out of it. Lots of people in the habit of it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, let's move on to something else that's been in the news over the last couple of weeks, actually, repeatedly, the charity Mermaids, mm. which it's is a, a, relevant to a charity, a trans uh, kids charity that has been, is currently being investigated by the Charity Commission. Uh, so just to sort of run people through the latest on this, very controversial charity, the most recent news is that the trustee of Mermaids, has, a trustee of Mermaids has stepped down after it emerged um, that he spoke at an organisation that promotes services for paedophiles. 
Um, the charity, as I said, the charity commission is investigating them, and that's partly, uh, I think, in relation to them sending breast binders mm. to young kids behind their parents' backs. Mm -hmm. um, and these breast binders, as a side, it's important to recognise, particularly if they're not fitted properly, can actually cause damage. Mm. Um, and so they they were sending breast binders, and also in the news this week, uh, also awful. Um, they have apparently have a service to help 16-year-olds um, change their name by deed poll without their parents' permission to whatever gender they are mm -hmm. transitioning into. Um, so, Peter, what what are, what are your thoughts on this? Well, no, I I, I think I mean obviously it's it's, it's repulsive and, and and obscene actually, um, and I think I hope really that maybe in not that distant a future we look back and think what the hell was mm. going mm -hmm. on because mm -hmm. it seemed to me it's child abuse mm. but i think the this this very pertinent point is about the uh, not telling of the parents yeah. and mm. breaking the authority between parents and children that is marxist mm. actually yeah. mm -hmm. i mean uh, you if you want to cut down if you want to cut people completely adrift that is the well, way this actually goes back to what you were saying, both about environmentalism and Black Lives Matter, the intention to um, to undermine the family mm. because the family is mm. is uh, sort of the first safeguard. Mm. And mm. if they are undermining parental authority, they are undermining safeguarding and the, the legal rights of that child to be protected mm. by their parents. Um, also interesting, related to this in the news this week, I don't know if you saw Sussex um, Police's, yes. uh, the whole hoo-ha about yes. uh, not misgendering yeah. this um, uh, rapist. paedophile rapist and what what this has, has sort of kicked up is a whole discussion around the issue of safeguarding mm -hmm. um, and the fact that you know a, a lot of uh, you know a, a lot of this stuff has huge deeply profound implications for uh, for chil chil not just for children's safeguarding, but for safeguarding in general. We had that great conversation with Caroline Fisk on this mm. show, mm. Uh, where we talked about how basically, if you ask children to go against their instincts um, and to 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 doubt, um, you know, their 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 own experience, mm. and at the same time, you're also like you were saying, Peter, cutting them off from their parents in that way and going behind their backs and basically making that. Um, it's, it, that's that's absolutely the centre of it. One of the, the really interesting things about this is how quickly it's moving. I remember being on this show a couple of months ago and talking about Tavistock, and we were talking about all of these things about um, potentially uh, performing uh, treatments on children behind their parents' back. Now we've moved one step further, and it's explicitly paedophilia. Mm -hmm. Paedophilia is there in the system, and this uh, person, I think he's uh, called Jacob, I can't remember his surname, Breslau, I think, Jacob Breslau, um, is, uh, he, he's, a, he's a lecturer at LSE, you know. I mean, if I may, um, this link between organisations that have a very explicitly left-wing bent, mm. that are focused on this sort of gender ideology, and this is something that's been around for a while, um, you can kind of go back to Judith Butler and before then certain French, um, you know, political theorists were also talking about this. This link gender and paedophilia mm. is actually quite an old one mm -hmm. so um, I can think back to uh, Foucault mm. so Foucault obviously you know the father of postmodernism mm. he also signed this very controversial yeah. French petition to get rid of the age of consent mm. Judith Butler who is 
literally cited on the mermaid's website as you know you know somebody mm -hmm. who's influential on the ideology also promoted paedophilia talked about mm. you know the age of consent as being a social construct mm. but i think let's not get too bogged i mean this is an awful example but there are actually a hell of a lot of charities out there that are doing the same thing mm. mermaid's got two hundred thousand pounds from the lottery last mm -hmm. year which is nationally funded mm. they got forty thousand pounds directly from the government mm. as part of their charity status this has been government funded mm. and it's not just mermaids we are funding lots of charities that are explicitly anti-british mm. you know communist mm. uh harmful to children mm. and you know instead of just saying oh this is disgusting i mean it's disgusting but we should be telling the government you need to get rid of it like we need to reform the charity commission but, but, even, but i think it's a very good point you make Paul, because they're not actually even really charities in that no. they are arms disconnected yes. arms mm -hmm. of a government but this mm. actually goes back to what we were saying and you know about kemi's speech and the mm. idea of contested ideas that it, there is a lack of recognition that these things are political. Charities yes. are not allowed to be political. Yes. They're not allowed to engage in that kind of thing. Mm. And well, if they law, were, on, they are though. And like 2011 law means that there's a loophole. It was brought in under Cameron's government, mm. and it says part of the the Charities Act 2011. It basically says if you're promoting the equality of a marginalised group, it gives you an exemption where mm. you can still receive charity really? status mm. and be political. I mean, this should be, I, I wish this came out more in the reporting, because we can get rid of that law, we don't need that law. But do, do, do you know what the crazy thing about this is? You talked about Judith Butler, and yes. she is god in this area, mm. isn't she? She's, yeah. Judith Butler is a, a philosopher who, who, who's really pushed uh, the, the, the gender thing, mm -hmm. basically, and she thinks gender is just completely and utterly a social construct. But her, I think you've had Douglas Murray on, on mm. So What You're Saying Is, and you got him to read out a, a sentence that was right, complete and utter gobbledygook. Yes, yes, well, yes. the whole book, Gender Trouble, I don't know yes. if you've read the I whole thing. I read it at university. Right. <laughs> the thing is, no one's actually read the whole thing. It's like uh, everyone says they have. And, and nobody hasn't, you know, very, very few people have, have, have read it from beginning to end because it's absolute gobbledygook. Yes. And so what happens, these ideas, which are just snippets from the book, gain their own kind of um, pace and people just kind of make it up as they go along. And they don't really know what they're doing yeah. because her, her, her prose is just so appalling. Yeah. So it's... <sighs> It's, it's not rooted, it's not grounded in anything. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why it's really frightening. Well, it's post-structuralism. Yeah. It's post-structuralism, it it's, 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 it's not meant to by be. definition. It's their modus operandi to yeah. write in a way that, yeah. Yeah. that yeah. obscures yeah, and obfuscates everything that they mm. mean. <laughs> Foucault's most famous now, isn't he? He's someone who used to go and sexually exploit young Arab boys. Yes, mm. in graveyards, I mm. think, as mm. well. So maybe their actions might Some say a little bit about the philosophy that- Nice people, given that nice these people. Are, <laughs> given that these are ironically people who believe that um, that ideologies and ideas justify power. It seems that maybe, maybe Foucault's uh, philosophy was there to justify his bad behaviour. But anyway, yeah, well, let's yeah, leave that for another I day. That's what average person would conclude that. But, you know. <laughs> so just just before we um, tie things up, uh, this week it is the Tory Party conference. The news has been endless on everything that's going on, so it's far too much for us to go into in detail. But just on the you know. The, the Conservative Party's future as it stands now, what is at stake at this conference, could, uh, if it's possible... Yeah, so do you have any sort of final closing thoughts on the Conservative Party conference and what's at stake? 
Well, the conference, um, uh, I think, is uh, they're trying. It's, it's an exercise in damage limitation at the mm. moment, isn't mm. it? The conference, mm. I think. But I think the general point, which uh, is not an original one, but I think the general point is that what we've seen is the triumph of an ideology this time, which is broadly, which is libertarian, free market fundamentalism, at the very time when the country is broadly economically going slightly to the left, but culturally conservative. Mm. They have gone entirely the, the other way. Entirely the entirely opposite. Entirely the other way. And, but what has really, uh, a pop which I hate, right? But what is really strikes one about this is the sheer incompetence mm. which they've done it. It's mm. unbelievable. Mm. You know, there's been no finesse, nothing. Mm. Um, it's like, it's like the kind of prefects are running the school. Yeah. The political communications couldn't really have been more worse. I, mean, I, I, listened, to, <laughs> I, I listened to Nick Robinson's interview um, this morning and, and it was just a car crash uh, mm. with, with Liz Truss. It was a car crash. I think two things on that. Um, first thing is the, the obvious thing, which is two years is, a, is you know, if they survive until next week. Yeah. Two years is a long time in politics and anything can happen. Um, who could have called COVID and so on and so forth. But the other thing is, and it links to what we've just been talking about, it's the utter horribleness of the Labour Party activists. And you've seen them outside of... Oh, the well, Labour, you, were yeah. in, you were in Birmingham. I don't know whether you saw yeah, we went, we, we were outside what's called the secure zone. Right. Um, but no, I mean, they're, they're, they're out in force, aren't they? And the police aren't really controlling them that much. But the... the Horrible. People, yeah. people see that and people see caring, sharing, be kind, socialism and identity politics and it's an absolute anathema to them. Actually, so I think that that could save the, 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 uh, the Conservative it Party. Could, it could indeed, you're quite right, you know, a huge number of events come along, we don't know what. But speaking of, I have to mention this, speaking of awful Labour supporters, don't know whether she's a Labour supporter, but I think, you know, repulsive person of the week must go to that woman Rupert who said Huck? that Tories should not be resuscitated. Oh, know, the, the nurse. The nurse. Yeah. Oh gosh, I didn't see yes, this. Yes, this was on uh, the Jeremy Vine show. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And basically, she's. I think she's quite well known because she's been on other panel yeah. uh, audiences. Um, but basically, this is the kind, caring <laughs> left for you. Tories shouldn't be resuscitated. Yes, Tories shouldn't be resuscitated. Okay. Give, give me Dr. Crippen because he's yes. he's more humane. Yeah, yeah. give me Dr. Crippen. I mean, look, the Conservative Party is clearly the better alternative to the Labour Party. But I'm sorry, we deserve better than that. Mm. I mean, it's not difficult to be better than the Labour Party mm. at the moment. Mm. And the fact that the electorate are flocking to them at the moment shows, I mean, I don't think there has been a government that has deserved to lose an election more than this one. Mm. They have failed at their own mission. You know, they are not conservative. They are not conserving no. anything. Mm. Um, so, I, frankly, I don't really have much sympathy for the government. I, I don't want to see a Labour but if it happens, it happens. I hope that at least from the ashes something better can rise out of it. I, I think we're all in the same situation, aren't we? It's not that we want this government at all, it's just that we desperately don't want the Labour government. Yeah. But they rely on that. that yeah. Exactly, they're yeah, never exactly, going to change. Exactly, it's, change. It's, the, it's the worst of all possible mm. situations mm. to be in. 
Well, I think ultimately we're just on all sides in a deep political crisis. Mm. Um, and anything that we get is going to be reflective of that, unfortunately. Mm. So that's a bleak note to end on. <laughs> Quick, somebody make a joke. <laughs> thank you, Philip. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you, Philip. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Poppy. Too many peas. Um, and we thank you also for watching. And we'll see you next time on Newspeak. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel, and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as three pounds per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.